Hello and welcome to Drunk Bitches and Politics, where bitches get drunk and talk politics. I'm Ray. I'm Mishy. And I'm Michelle, your host. Welcome, drunk delegates. We will be hitting the debate discussion hard today, tonight. Um, We're going to split it up into two uh, different segments. So we'll do debate night number one, of course, first. And all their problematic shit. And then debate night number two with all of their um, just like non-ideas and back and forth arguing like they're five-year-olds. But Ray, you wanted to actually uh, rant about the format before we got into the debate discussion? Yes. Oh, okay. wait, sorry. Before we start. Excuse me. I know, Missy's like, bitch, I need some wine. <laughs> My glass is, is empty. empty. It literally has I'm a sorry. pool. Like a pool of water at the bottom. I know, I'm so wash. sorry. I'm being selfish once again because I'm over here. Uh, drinking my she's vodka. got her cup. <laughs> drinking my Dripping Springs vodka. Mishy, what are we drinking tonight? Oh, funny you should ask so late. <laughs> um, <laughs> tonight. Wow. We're drinking Manege Silk, and some of y'all know we've had the Manege but we've never had the Silk before. So this Ooh. is a uh, soft red blend. It is the California 2017. It is said to be gently pressed and delicately aged. Like some of you bitches at this table. Oh! No. Um, wow. Was that shit? Miss, miss you want to walk home tonight, do not you? I see one tonight. Was that shady? I you know what? Guys. I believe the average age of our listener is 40 or higher. It said delicately aged. It didn't say poorly aged. It said delicately aged. Okay? See, how, see how she's backtracking I, that I shit? I feel attacked. If you feel attacked, comment below. Comment below. Delicately aged is a good thing, guys. <laughs> Experience Menage Trois Silk is smooth, seductive, red blend that caresses you with every sip. Mm. Mm. The seamless, lustrous blend of Pinot Noir, Malbec, and Pinot Petit Sauvignon shooting star <laughs> glides gracefully across your palate like silk. Freak me, baby. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> it's the lavish, luxurious experience you've been craving. Ooh. Ray with the with the ever-ending 90s hip-hop reference. <laughs> R&B, baby. Anybody want to give me some guesses on LLC, ALC? Uh, 13.4. Close? 13.9. She's closer. 13.5. Woo-hoo! So this is definitely a red blend and... Come on down! You are now our next contestant. It has all... On the price is right. <laughs> it is all the combination of all like the bold reds. So I'm interested to see how these particular three flavors pair together. So I'm going to pop this shit. Are you bitches red? Pop. Baby? Pop that shit. shit. Woo! You see? Just a nice, beautiful pop. Oh. Gluggy. Ooh, it's gluggy. It's, it's, it's gluggy. It's gluggy. Beautiful and purple. Beautiful and purple. Very dark. Um, Ray, let's taste it. Let's find out what we're working with here. It is smooth. It is smooth. It is silky. It is silky. (laughs) It's a lot more Pinot Noir for me than anything else. Very shooting star. Very shooting star. Um, you're gonna check the bottle. (laughs) No, no, I just smelling it. Very fruity. All those red variety berries and spices coming through. Definitely a little spicy, but smooth. This is a good, good Definitely bottle. cherries in this one. 
definitely cherries, a little blackberry. And it's a little oaky, but not in an offending way. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> it sounds so whiny. Like, I know. I'm over here going, definitely has cherries. And she's like, it's a little oaky, but not in an offending way. Like, it's not overly oaky where you can, like, taste it. But you can just tell that it's there. A little smokiness. Like, you could pair it with a nice burger and it would pick up on it. It's very delicious. Very delicious. Good pick, Ray. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh... If you too would like to get this bottle, it can be found at your neighborhood racetrack. <laughs> or your 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven carries it. 7-Eleven might carry it, but this, this night's pick, because I was traveling cross town, cross three counties to get here tonight, mm. uh, had a lovely $11 price point. This is a very good Sweet. bottle for $11. Very yes. delicious. Yes, absolutely. So when you are trying to get drunk on a budget, on a budget, and you need to stop at a convenience store slash gas station, you may get this. Get your gas and get your wine. That's right. <laughs> get your gas and get your glug. Mm-hmm. All right. So back to our topics. Oh, the format. So yeah, you wanted to rant about the format. I want to talk about. Which this I'm guessing format. you're not going to be. Um, uh, congratulating CNN on their format. It was trash. <laughs> no. Oh, would you like to read my first line of my notes? Yeah. It says, it was definitely an overcorrection from the first debate, but overall, it was trash in caps. <laughs> so first of all, just like, what is what what was the format? I mean, it, okay. I'm, I'm hoping everybody watched it, but they might have watched it in spurts where I'm they didn't to, see. Let me try to sum it up. So basically what they did is they had a... Two, when a person had the question, they had two minutes to talk about it. If they mentioned someone's name, then that person got an option to speak up. They would give them 15 seconds to address or something like that. Uh, if other people started chiming in, then, then that would supposedly eat at their time. But I don't see how that happened yeah. because somehow... Delaney was fucking talking all night long. Yeah. It was uh, a fucking disaster. So that like, was I couldn't it. even keep up. And there was a lot of times that they were cutting people off. I think they didn't use good judgment when someone was clearly in the middle of an important point. Mm-hmm. Like they shouldn't have cut them off. Um, a lot of candidates would get a shit question and then pivot. They were pivoting like they were oh, Ross yeah. with yeah. a sofa. Pivot. Right. They're like, okay, I know you asked me about immigration, <laughs> but I'm actually going to answer a healthcare question. Yes. <laughs> So in regard, yeah, right. So regardless in, of what you asked me, I'm going to yes. answer the question that is in my mind right now. Right. So in regard to open borders, I really feel like vaccines need to happen. You know, <laughs> right. it's like that yeah. was that. Um, I also felt like Jake Tapper, which I'm generally a Jake Tapper fan. Yeah. I felt like he sounded like an auctioneer, especially on night one. Because he would be like, and then we're done with you, Warren, and moving on, and Delaney, what do you think? And we got to go three, two, one, moving on. Okay, I got so-and-so, I got Tim Ryan, I got Amy, and then just boom, boom, boom. It did get better as it went overall. If only. Right? It was an auction of who Jeez. who gets to get off stage and not be a part of So, to Elizabeth Warren and side a note to Bernie Sanders, right. sorry. Uh it did get better as it went overall. Like their nomination. Yeah. Yeah. As the, night, as the night progressed, it got better. It was not nearly as bad in the second night. But just in general, that format wasn't really good. 
In some ways, I did like how they would pit one person against another, which kind of felt more like a real debate. Like a ratings grab? Well, yeah. To well, me. Okay, so it felt like a ratings grab to you, but I felt more like a traditional debate in the sense that a debate should be me talking to you and we point, counterpoint, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And that's, in that instance, I felt like it that. But I think you're right, is that they would bring up sentences and they were like, Warren, you said, you know... Um, I don't know, Hickenlooper sucks dick. So what do you, how do you feel about this? <laughs> you know, and just to defend it. So, um, and in case you're wondering, it felt like maybe you went up to go get a snack during that moment. That was not said. Uh, let's see. The wording of the questions was frustrating. As Bernie pointed out, they sound like GOP talking points. Like as far as illegal border crossings and things like this, they very much sounded like Republican talking points. And I stand by the same thing I said in the very first debate is that 10 people at a time is still fucking ridiculous. And currently our third debate is already looking like it's going to have more than 10 people. I'm sorry. Yeah. Did I say our third debate? Our third debate in September mm -hmm. is looking like it's going to end up going two nights too. Um, I don't know if this has already been said, but like the format was trash. People didn't get to finish their answers. And the whole point of having a debate is for people to articulate their policies so that we know what they're about. I don't think I walked away knowing what anyone was, no. where they stood, that I, if I was a brand new listener was tuning in and trying to figure out what's going on, all I walked away was a bunch of mid-sentence policy proposals and nowhere to go. It, it was... Yeah. Yeah, it was... Format was trash. It was trash. Right. So let's, let's... Well, and then also, real quick on that, is that a little bit of that, I blame the contestants, <laughs> the candidates, because it's not like they walked up to the stage and were told what the format was. They knew going in what the... They had to have known going in what yeah, the format was. Yeah, but did they even was. have a say? No, but I'm saying that if you know going into this that when I call on you, you're going to have two minutes to tell me about your healthcare plan, don't go into a minute and a half long rant about something and then try to transition into it. Because what the fuck, you just wasted your two very valuable minutes. Yeah. And that pissed me off because I was like, you're not helping your cause at all. Right. Or the party. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's let's get into night one. Night one. Would you like the list of attendees? Yeah, let's get the list yes, of attendees. Let's get the list. Okay, we had the one, the only, Marianne Williamson, Tim Ryan, Amy Klobuchar, Mayor Pete, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Beto O'Rourke, John Hickenlooper, John Delaney, and Steve Bullock. Yeah. Okay. All right, so I'll just, I kind of, I mean, I broke this into just a couple of questions that okay. I think will kind of help us break it down. So... Um, and y'all can just take your turns answering it. So what would, for you, Ray, what were, what was the highlights? Like, who do you think stood out? Not necessarily saying a winner, but for you, like, who stood out and what were your two or three highlights of debate night number one? I felt like, and when I looked at this, I looked at this from the perspective of how have they been looking so far? How did they do in, in the very first debate and then comparing it to now? And I feel like these four people had a good night. Bernie, Elizabeth Warren, Pete, and Marianne. I hate to say that, but I feel like she had a good night. Yeah. Everybody else just kind of 
Right. To quote Mishy, farts in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> farts in the goddamn yeah, wind. Yeah, the, the people that you didn't name are the people that I just got to where I started pressing fast forward when they spoke. Because I just couldn't handle it. I, I, my, I was going to rip my eyeballs out. I mean, Amy Klobuchar had a few moments, like, but I feel like she's one of those those people that she does. Just one or two things that she'll say during a debate that I'm just like, damn, that's good. And in a smaller field, she might be something. But And then Beto, God, I loved Beto when he was running for Senate. But I feel like the Beto that's running for president is Beto for Senate 2.0. Like, it's the exact same shit we heard. Like, some of these things, I feel like I can say them with him. Yeah. His, his canned responses, he needs to get new cans. <laughs> well, or just have run for Senate again to be corn in, in yeah, the state of Texas. Yeah, but he just needs some Because that message lines. would have still resonated. It would. Right? So, um, yeah, he didn't, he did not spark any new love for me in, in this, you know, second debate. Mm-hmm. Um my expectations were also, I think, probably a little bit higher because I feel like he tanked so bad. He did the so first bad. time. His so performance I was, really ex- was this green right. as his skin. Yeah, and so I was really expecting him to come out of you know the gate, like just pulverizing everybody, and just like his message was going to stick out. Me too. Everybody, and, and well, and then he was also going to have good debate arguments with people like Elizabeth Warren or Bernie, uh, and it just didn't happen. It didn't. Um, he felt very flat. I feel like he he just looks tired and he doesn't look like he wants to be there. So for me, my I guess my hot yeah. So are... your yeah your 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 <laughs> highlights and who you think? Okay, Elizabeth Warren won. First of all, I will. I will go. <laughs> Michigan just announced her winner. <laughs> look, yeah. I'm just let's yeah. just go ahead and see. policy woman. <laughs> I'm just gonna go ahead and let you guys know Elizabeth Warren won both nights of the debate. She wasn't even on the second <laughs> night. Um. Because uh, one, the format didn't do anything for me. It was frustrating. And that added to the questions that were being asked. There were poorly asked questions. I was even asking myself at one point, like, were the Republicans sliding questions under the door? Like, I was so confused by some of the questions that were asked here. But um, for me, but for me, my top three uh, were Elizabeth Warren, Mayor Pete, and Marianne. And Marianne is a shit show. But in this particular debate, she came out very strong. It's a complete shit show for sure, but she had good answers. And I mean, I don't know what that says about where the bar is, but <laughs> uh, I just, I didn't get much out of the first night of the debate. Beto had good answers, but he fell flat for me. Beto, come home. Well, here's the thing about Marianne. You can't hate Marianne. Right, she, she you, good. she's right. got good vibes. Yeah, you don't. You can't dislike her. It's just like, bitch, I don't want you running for president. Here's the thing. Secretary I, of Crystals, for right. sure. <laughs> so she had a really great statement on reparations. Like, it was, I mean, I really started paying attention. She had more moments where the crowd was really engaged than she, she should have. Of all, of all the candidates, she's one of the candidates who has the most unapologetically correct stance on reparations that doesn't sugarcoat shit. Exactly. And I appreciate her for that. So she did very well, which is why she came in third for me, is because she said a lot of real things that people wanted to hear, especially on reparations, race relations, and all of the questions that were being asked. She did a good job, and she came in third for me. John Delaney, I couldn't tell you a single thing that he said that I remember. I don't remember a single thing. Who? John Delaney. Who? (laughs) 
exactly. And someone it was someone I follow on Facebook said John Hickenlooper Jock Hicken Hell now. Um <laughs> go ahead and go home. Tim Ryan, I don't even know what was going on there. I listen, as far as John Delaney, Hickenlooper, Tim Ryan, Stiff Bullock, those two, it's time to pack it up and go home. Like we appreciate you came, you saw, you didn't conquer a damn thing, but you said what you needed to say. Pick it up, go home. That that was a waste of time. Yes. So, from night one, only people who really need to stay in the race, Bernie, Elizabeth, Pete, Beto, and Amy. And even then, I would, I would say... Beto and Amy. Unless Beto is running, which I strongly su- suspect at this point, Beto knows that it's written in the stars, but he has enough money to stay in the race. I do think that he's running for a cabinet position, possibly VP. I don't, there's nothing wrong with that for yeah, me. I can see Cause that. Because he has enough money to stay in the race, but I think he knows that his road to the presidency is not, done. It's done. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about Marianne a little bit more just because, and I, I, I don't really? see her it as a valid. scares the fucking shit out of me and how much people exactly want to talk why. about her. Because, Ugh. okay, so she attacks, she does this a lot. She did this in the first debate. She did this again this time around. She attacks others on the stage about, quote, not going to win on policy, but then she doesn't offer shit in response. And what's really frustrating is that it's dangerous because people are listening to her and it could really hurt other candidates if they start seeing her. Honestly, the way I look at it is like if you are moved by her touchy-feely vibe thing, the energy she gives, go look at Cory Booker. That I know he's That's got some problems. That's a false problems. equivalency. Hold on. He's got some problems. He definitely has. Most of these fucking candidates do. But he definitely has a lot of heart. He speaks from a place of love. There's so much of what his stuff has good energy. I'm not so disagreeing with that, that but I'm saying... That is my opinion. I'm not disagreeing with that, but it is truly a false equivalency. Marianne Wilson believes... In thinking AIDS away. Like, I'm just... I agree. And she's an anti-vaxxer. And there are a lot it's of dangerous. things that she uses her platform for that are truly dangerous in the end. But she does have... She's well-studied and has good answers to a lot of things. But the enthusiasm that people have for her scares me. Because, yeah, it's fun. And it's good to have in a debate that she's touchy, she's feely. She's got the orb energy, as the young Democrats of Den County like to call it. Um... <laughs> But, however, with that being said, right? please, yeah. y'all, don't bring her back. And quit giving her money. Quit giving her money. <laughs> oh, my God. Seriously. Yes. Quit giving her money, where then she can't be on the debate stage. Right. And like, let's focus, people. Then, like, pick your top four. Fucking donate your money to those four. Nobody else gets any more money, yeah. and they can't be on the debate stage. It's, ha- it's math. And y'all know Michelle on... You don't do math. I don't do math, but I know this but kind you of know fucking this math. math. Absolutely. Exactly. Don't, date to, don't donate to the fuck. If you don't want 20 people on the next debate, quit fucking donating. Well, I will tell you, you at some point who has qualified for the next debate. We only have eight people who have qualified because the threshold for that is much more difficult. So I'll get those after we're right, done. Three percent and like they have to be pulling at least three percent and then again have the hundred. It's at least two percent. I thought it was three. They need to raise the threshold. The standards need to trim down. Yes, and the threshold for raising is much higher. It's 130,000 individual donations. What was I going to say? I don't even know. Oh, as far as the math and whatever. It would not surprise me. Okay, so for those of you that watched American Idol a million years ago, (laughs) I believe this was a season that had Sanjaya. And they had, there was one candidate, or one candidate, one contestant, I don't remember his name, 
but people were voting for him to stay. They said he was the worst. And this, so there was actually a vote for the worst campaign. So he would stay and other people were getting cut down left and right. Mm -hmm. And so when he finally got voted off, then people started voting for Sanjaya, who ended up coming in like third. And he was horrible as well. And so I would not be surprised. I remember Sanjaya. Oh my God, that's so funny. I would not be surprised if this is tinfoil hat theory. This is all the Republicans doing a vote for the worst and they are all donating a dollar or two or five dollars or twenty dollars to Marianne because what do they have to lose? Why? Otherwise you Trump's already running, so you don't have to donate money to him. Right. Yeah. I'm just saying, tinfoil hat. I got my tinfoil hat for the vote for the worst. So for the people who are in for the next Democratic debate Lord, I had this. Can we save bit. that to the last? Okay. Yeah, we'll do it after we okay. discuss debate cool. night number two, which I think we're actually, we can go on. Oh, no, I've I got more stuff to talk oh, about. Oh, do? I do. I oh, want to okay. talk about, because there was a moment, and you already said you think Warren won night one and night two, and I will at least give you for sure I agree that she won one, one, night, night one, is she was going toe-to-toe with Delaney because, God, fucking Delaney, will you just go away? Delaney was challenging Warren on something that she said. He, he said that that's not possible and all this kind of stuff. And she said, quote, I genuinely do not understand why anyone would go to all the trouble of running for president just to get up on the stage and talk about what's not possible. And that moment made him just crushed him down. Yeah. Like that just knocked him down. And to me, that was her really making the case for why she would be a good president and why we need a progressive Dem and not a moderate Dem. Because that was the argument. It was not just, you know, why would you, Delaney, do this? But more so, why would all of you fucking moderates do this instead of being with us? I think this this debate, this round, is all progressives versus the moderates. moderates. And yeah. that's what it is. And I feel like the progressives... One. If you look at both nights, the ones that, and maybe this is my bias showing, I'm not sure, but I feel like the ones that did the best are the ones that were progressive. It's a democratic debate. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what's gonna shine. That's what's gonna shine is we're all looking for the people in a democratic debate. We're looking for progressive policies, and I definitely give night one to Elizabeth Warren. But at this point, like I said earlier, I posted this on my Facebook. I said at this point. They need to let Elizabeth sit out all the debates until they can find her someone who is actually willing to discuss policy because everyone at this point is playing games. Most of these people are standing on this debate stage giving us false numbers that they concocted backstage and telling us all of the things that they're going to do. People, we know how to fact check, okay? So if you come on stage and you give us a policy proposal with some numbers that you wrote on tissue while you were sitting in a bathroom doing a break, <laughs> we're going to know that you made that shit up. And Elizabeth Warren has completely and utterly scrutinized all of these policies and has sat down and has written and has thought has about volumes. what it is that she's going to yes. give us. She got them binders. I don't know if the average American notices this, but for me as a policy wonk and someone who pays attention, I know when you're selling me a bag of shit that's seasoned. And some of these people are selling seasoned dough fried bags of shit. Okay? That is an amazing way to wrap it up. Oh, I don't want to wrap it up yet. You don't? You no, more I, feel, I want to talk about the healthcare debate because you guys know healthcare for me, like that's my passion. So yeah. 
I I want to talk a little bit about that. Okay. Um, so Pete is is from the perspective of Medicare for all who want it, which is slightly on the moderate side of progressive. <laughs> like he's the least progressive of all of them with that. But he pointed out that like just do what we're gonna do because the the Republicans are gonna call us socialists no matter what. That was such a great point because yeah. it's true. Bernie was. Bernie was Bernie. Bernie was the Bernie we know and love or know and hate. However, you're standing. Bernie is. said he know the numbers because he wrote the damn bill, honey. I told y'all that y'all weren't gonna tell him shit his, about what he wrote. His first answer to a question when somebody said you can't do this and da 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 da, da and he goes, "You're wrong." No, you're wrong. The next big line he had is, "I wrote the damn bill." I wrote the damn bill, and something about putting his hands up. Yes. Any other candidate, you'd be like, wow, they come off as an asshole. But it's like, eh, he comes off as Bernie. It's Bernie. He comes he, off as Bernie. He, he, you know who he reminds me of? Who is the dude in Back to the Future? Oh, I was going to say the professor in Back oh to the Future. God. That's who he reminds me <laughs> Every time. Oh, my God. Doc? Uh, yes, Doc. Is it his name? We've got to go Doc. That's it. That's all. Go. Marty. Everything Marty, gotta go back. always on a 10. Like, <laughs> never comes down. And Everything. the hair. And the hair. <laughs> hair is never like, where it needs like to be. Like, he's been electrocuted. Uncle Bernie, like, I, I appreciate you, but you can pack up and go home, too. And Bernie also needs to get better on reparations. This whole solution of his where he thinks that reparations is not the answer, that reparations is going to be a solution that works for all Americans. No, Bernie. We don't all start from the same place. We haven't. Some of us had a 400-year head start. So you know what? What is it called? One-size-fits-all strategy mm -hmm. yeah. is not going to help everybody catch up 400 years, 50 years. So reparations need to be discussed, and there's a debt that needs to be paid, and we need to have the discussion. And you not willing to participate in that debate is problematic. Now, I've seen... Him backpedaling and pussy pop at the NAACP event where he tried to walk himself back and say Lucky that man. that maybe what he's not against is not against reparations. He's just against putting a number on it and then people saying, "Okay, well that's it. The debt has been repaid." Not Bernie. Don't don't backpedal and pussy pop in that manner. You know damn well that's not what that means. We're talking about from a point of then to now. Of what needs to be taken care of. It has no bearing on the future. So don't try to do it like that. And until you can get back in the conversation. And are willing to discuss reparations. You are going to continue. To have a problem with black voters. Alright I'm going to go back to healthcare for a moment. Go ahead. Alright so he talked about how his plan offers stability. stability Because relying on your job for healthcare. Just doesn't do that. And that is such a great point. And it's one of those things that. At this point in our lives, we've come to accept it. Like, you need to get a stable job so you can get health insurance. You don't go start get a job at a startup that doesn't offer health insurance and these types of things. But I can think back to, okay, so I'm going to go on just a little bit of a story, short story. Um, when I was a kid growing up in Massachusetts, we lived in this, I don't know, this apartment complex thing, whatever. It looked like a duplex, but it had six house, six townhomes connected, right? These things were really neat. What I learned as I got older, or as I became an adult, is that those were actually a homes that were owned by the local shop, the plant, whatever you call oh, okay. it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Factory. So the factory. Yeah. So part and that's where of, the families lived. Right. Part of their wages was their home. So you had a situation where people didn't quit because yeah. you're homeless. 
Right. So you don't have an option. So you get these people that are trapped that it's almost just like an indentured servitude situation. And you can and treat you can treat them like shit. And you can treat them like shit because what are they going to do? They would have to immediately find a new job and move out and find something else. Yeah. And so, of course, that eventually became illegal. You can't do stuff like that yeah. anymore, except in the military. Um, yeah. But I feel like healthcare is the same type of thing. People get trapped mm-hmm. in their jobs mm-hmm. because it has good oh, health care. I've stayed at a job before for, yes. a, yeah, like two extra, two more years than I wanted to because of the health care. I worked with a woman whose son had cerebral palsy, and she said, I legit only work this job because of the health insurance. I hate this job. Mm-hmm. I don't get paid great, but it pays enough to cover my health insurance. And right. at the time, we had amazing health insurance. Yeah. Yeah. And then, okay, so two other points. Uh, Bernie calling out CNN loved that moment. He told Jake that his talking points were, were GOP talking points. They were. And that uh, the, ind- the insurance industry would be advertising on this show tonight. Sure yeah. enough, the next they break, did. they advertised. Yeah. The, oh, I'm sorry, it was a pharmaceutical company I saw. Yeah, but still, yeah. Lobbyists. The same thing. And, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing is that a lot of people expected Bernie and Elizabeth to go at each other as the two top dogs. To discuss all yeah, of this stuff. Yeah, they were pretty united. They were. They were like a tag team for uh-huh. the progressive health care views. And I love the fact that she pointed Well, how can out, they go at each other when they have basically the same they ideas? They do. Yeah. And I feel like that, to me, that's what's so fucked up about this many candidates and those and the type of format. is because they're all, they all have very similar policies. The health care thing. The, yeah. yeah, the health care thing is probably the one where they have the most differences. Mm-hmm. But... And, and I think some of the candidates have created differences they just have, to make they themselves have to, stand, just out. To stand out. Right. Yeah. Just and it, oh, just it's so frustrating. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, I do ha- love how, for me, one of the things, and this goes back to us talking about how she's just so fucking brilliant, mm-hmm. is that she knows that you can't just win people over with the idea that you're going to get health care. You need to also talk about a variety of different things, and that's what she did. She pointed out how. Insurance companies don't have a right to make $23 billion in profit and suck it from the healthcare system. Right. So when people are always talking about how we can afford this, how we can afford this, she just told you, $23 billion. That's getting sucked from their profits. Right, right there. Right. Yeah. Then she, um, Bernie said, kind of also tag teaming on that, he was talking about how the insurance industry spends $4.5 billion on lobbying and campaigns. So again, okay, That'd that makes done. that yeah. $27.5 billion that right. will help pay for it. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, because night two ended up being the bigger healthcare night, because we, the first question about healthcare ended up going at least 47 minutes of the debate. That went on for so long. But in essence, I don't, there was one point in time, one of the candidates, and I believe it was Bennett, it was Bennett on night two who said, I don't understand why Democrats are fear-mongering universal healthcare. And Democrats have been great at fear-mongering universal healthcare. Make it make sense because I don't understand the reason why you're telling people that it's impossible. It's not impossible. Overall, universal health care is just cheaper. It's cheaper on the bottom line. And there are countries who have universal health care who spend trillions less than we do. And we still can't afford the health care that we have because people still have to pay out. You want your same doctor. You want a private option. Great. You can still have your private option. Whatever. But people who don't have health care, who don't have access to the private option... We need universal health care. Yeah. I saw a tweet someone had done where they, he was, this man was saying that I currently pay 
9,000 X amount dollars in just, let's just say $9,000 in mm. premiums for mm -hmm. my health insurance mm -hmm. under Bernie's plan. I would pay 4% of my gross income. Mm -hmm. That amount is this dollar amount. And it was wow. like significantly less. Yeah. And he's like, you just need to explain it to people like this. And right. I did the math on it. My, the amount that he was, and I would end up saving as well. But with that amount that the guy said he was going to end up paying is less than my deductible. Right? Less than my deductible. Right. That doesn't Your even include deductible. my premiums are right. out of pocket. Yeah. So I was just like, I think that's then, where you need to start framing right. it to people. And not even... Do so, a calculator. Yeah. So then even not... To, yeah, I know. We get off like on our tangent, but yeah. Because there's still night two. Because night two got really good on healthcare. I know. They really went into it. I can't help it. I had a lot to say. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so you wanted to give us our winners, losers on yeah, night yeah, your okay. Yeah, your winner, loser for night one. Right. Um, I think my ultimate winner was Elizabeth because yeah. I think she shined more than she did the first time around. The first time around, we already said she was the best, but I think you got to see her really shine, especially that moment with the whole, I don't understand that moment against Delaney. I was like, she just made your, yeah, that's your, that is your argument to be president. Yeah. yeah. And so then who's your loser? My loser. <laughs> So many. So many. <laughs> it's hard to so many options. <laughs> I'm going to think it's Tim Ryan because he got that Bernie clap back with the whole I wrote the damn bill and just never seemed to recover. That was like in the first 15 minutes and I don't know that we ever heard from him again. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I still wish they did it like the gong show. Anyway, Missy, your winner was definitely Warren. Yeah, and y'all know I have a different algorithm of how I measure who wins and who loses. Yeah. I measured based off on who has the most to lose and who has the most to gain. And again, my top three, Elizabeth, she continues to gain momentum just because she's so good. She'd, she could have been trash in this debate and still would have been 20 points ahead of these suckers. <laughs> Second goes to Marianne. She did very well. Given that she's completely daft and sometimes she's a space cadet and it just, you never know what you're gonna get. It's like a box of chocolates, you open it up, you might get Twizzlers and sometimes you might get a bag of flaming mm -hmm. shit. She did very well night two. I can't take that away from her. She Girl, came in. So she was so on. Pete, number the, three. Yeah. For articulating the issues and shining and coming out. He definitely gained from this. He was somebody that I needed to kind of step up a little bit and show his depth of processing policy and what his actual ideas are. And I felt like he articulated this very well. My loser, Beto. Just because... I had been, and I know this Whoa. sucks because we really love Beto. And again, we do. when we look at people like Tim That's Ryan and all those other suckers, they're already losers anyway. They're, we're just waiting them for them to drop off like a wart in the ass after it's been sprayed with some of that ice shit. I'm done with them. But the person who needed to gain the most momentum out of this was Beto. Like he was putting out emails. I mean, Jesus, I must have gotten six emails the day of the debate, like leading up to the debate about how this is like a huge deal and to tune in and what people are saying. And although he had good answers, it just fell flat for me and I don't feel like he gained what he should have gained out of that debate. And I felt like he didn't gain any momentum. Yes, he had great answers, it was good, but I didn't go, oh, there goes my Senate Beto. And I'm not looking right. for Senate Beto, but like that enthusiasm and it just felt flat. So I, I'm just, it's really sad because he has so much potential. And even if he became, you know, 
someone who's over the VA or something somewhere in the cabinet. He would be stellar. He's done some work with veterans that could be great work. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like he continues to fizzle. And at this point, it's just bad for his brand. And I don't want to see him do this. But I do understand him wanting to stay in the race for a cabinet position. So I understand. But he was my loser of the night. I can right. see that. I mean, because for me, like when I look at like the the candidates kind of fall on there. There's that top tier grouping ones, the, yeah. like maybe top five that kind of shuffle places, but they tend to stay the top same five or staying in the yeah. same position. There's those middle of the road ones, and he seems to be just falling down that path. He's going down. He's falling down. It's dwindling. And I know that people will occasionally see a, a poll that shows him polling at 4%, but I think those Ooh. are cherry-picked numbers. Really yeah. sad. Yeah. All right. That's night one. So let's go. Let's move on to night Did two. Did you have a take? Are you gonna huh? give us your winner? Oh, war! Oh, I can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, You're on this pod too, Missy. Well, yeah. I know. <laughs> um, so Warren definitely winner. Okay. Um, and <sighs> my loser. I mean, it was actually it was really hard for me to pick. Hagen Looper. Because. <laughs> Did you know he was even there? No, like I, I would say the loser is like the Clifford guy because I'm seriously when I Clifford, close. I'm sorry, he was on second night when he, no. Is there a Clifford? There's no Clifford, Michelle. No, John. Yes, who's who's the last person you named for night one? Hickenlooper, Delaney. Oh, I'm sorry. Steve Bullock. Bullock. <laughs> See, I couldn't even remember his name. <laughs> oh my god, oh, I was calling Clifford. Like, Mitch is about to spit her wine out of her mouth. In his defense, this was actually his first. I know. Time. That's why I was like, who the fuck is this? When you put that meme out, I was not joking when I said, who is Steve Bullock? I was not <laughs> lying. I was like, I do not know who this person is. And I was like, I'm not even going to Google him because I'm not giving him the status on Google. Yeah. That somebody Googled his name. You're gonna, not going to give him any hits? I still don't know who he is. And I don't want to know. I don't care. So that's your loser? Yeah. Okay. Because I don't even know who he was. One last comment about night one, and then I'll move on. Um, she said one last comment. Mm-hmm. For like last well, I asked for the winner, and you gave me three. So none of us are following fucking directions or rules tonight. No, there's no rules. You talked about Pete a little bit, and I, you guys know I, I have been... First Deep of all, affection for well, here's the thing. Feet. Initially, when I just knew nothing about him but his name and just kind of a, a like a three sentence bio, yeah. I was like, "This guy, I don't have a shot." Yeah. And then I, when I started to see him speaking yeah. and things, I started falling in yeah. love. I got a little wooed. Yeah. And when I saw him talking about this stuff, first of all, I am very impressed at his age. I mean, granted, he's younger than me, but he's also he's been one in the of military. the youngest. That matures you yes, a lot. Yes, but he's one of the youngest people in this race. Yeah. And he is... He's the youngest. Is he the youngest? Yes, yeah, he is. Okay, I was thinking there was one person he's younger than him. He's in his 30s. Him. Okay. Yeah. He is so articulate. He's he's very intelligent. And he speaks so well. <laughs> yeah, I want to say the next to, the next person in predict- age to him is probably Beto, which Beto's my age. Uh, that would be oh, Andrew yeah. Yang. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, Yang is, is um, younger than Beto. Okay. Okay. But he just, he definitely sounds presidential. Like, 41, like, I can see that. 
He sounds presidential. Yeah. Tulsi might be close in age to him, too. I think him and Tulsi are close. I think she's in her 40s, too. There's actually a lot of them that are in their 40s. It, I mean, it, it were, you know, like mm-hmm. 40 to 49. Like, not just young 40s. Yeah. All right, we got to move on. Okay, moving on. All right, let's say. so. Actually, um, can we take a quick break? Yes, we can. We can. All right. All right. Let's take a break. All right, let's go outside. Let's go see that. Okay, so now let's get into not two. Two. Um, so Ray, Did you'll you say not? Not. Not two. Yes, all of a sudden I'm from South Carolina. <laughs> um, can you give us a rundown of who was on night two? I totally will. We had Michael Bennett, uh, Hurston Gillibrand, Julian Castro, Cory Booker, Joe Biden, a.k.a. Uncle Joe, Kamala Harris, Andrew Yang, Tulsi Gabbard, Jay Inslee and Bill de Blasio. I know, right? So uh, before before we get before we get y'all's takes, I just want to go. So Uncle Joe is gonna give us the deal. Here's the deal. I'm gonna give you the deal. I'm gonna give you the deal. And Kamala is. <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. She's gonna tell you something. I'm gonna say something. And Bennett was. Okay. <laughs> Which is so fitting because he's from Colorado. Hold on, hold on. Drugs are bad. You shouldn't do drugs because they're bad. All right. So, right. What what was your what were your highlights? And then, yeah. Who do you think? These are my folks in no particular order. Who I think had a good night. Julian Castro, Andrew Yang. Tulsi Gabbard, and Cory Booker. I felt like those four had a good night. And I feel like Kamala and Uncle Joe were both big targets because people saw how quickly she rose up. Now they got two targets to go after. Mm -hmm. And so I think for them, they both had iffy nights. I wouldn't say they had... To me, I don't think they had bad nights. I think they had iffy nights. They had some good moments. I will disagree with you there, but I'll have my turn. Absolutely. Okay, so those are my two, the good nights and whatnots. Yours? Okay, so mine is going to be slightly loaded. So I'm going to start with... First of all, again, format was trash, and it seemed very clearly that CNN had structured these questions as for other candidates to come around and attack Joe. And it was very evident. It was problematic. And it didn't end up giving they, us... they saw that Kamala's numbers rose when she attacked Joe. And... So... They wanted... Yeah. They, and, and, they, was, and they want to create drama that's not good for anybody. And I will speak on those numbers as well because... And this is one of the things that I've said time and time again. The numbers rose. But here's the thing. With Kamala, what she did with Joe at the debates was excite white women. But white women are not a reliable voter base for anybody, especially her. So what ended up happening is it actually backfired as far as the polls go for Joe with black women because currently right now Joe has 30% of the support of black women in a 50-11 people race. And I don't need to tell you what those numbers mean. Yeah. Like, that is astounding. He's doing really well. So even I spoke to my aunt who's not an older black woman. She's in her early 40s. And she thought it was very off-putting. Jesus, wine. Um, (laughs) She thought that it was very off-putting off-putting for her to come and attack him, especially given the fact that she'd worked side-by-side with Joe and didn't seem to have a problem with him and any of the things that she was saying. And it seemed very politically expedient to attack him on his record while constantly running away from hers. 
she's constantly running away from her own record and says over and over again how proud she is of her record, which is killing her with black voters because black voters are like, oh, so you're proud of your record? Well, we're going to take you for your work. We're going to take you for exactly what you're saying. And Uncle Joe has had the tenure of voting under the most beloved president, and there's a trustworthiness that comes with that. So couple that with Kamala being unapologetic with her AG record and coming after Joe, it definitely backfired. So with that being said, one of the things that I really enjoyed from the debate was there wasn't so much fighting against them. They were trying to get to the bottom of the issues and there wasn't that much cutting off as night one. But I didn't enjoy the fact that we went on about healthcare for the first 47 minutes of the debate, mm -hmm. going back and forth about healthcare and all the nuances. And I felt that we should have moved on to other things because we'd already exhausted this issue in debate night one. The, not in debate night. The and first I, debate. The first, the first debate. Right. And I didn't learn anything. Right. I didn't learn anything from them just harping and harping on the healthcare question. They were, they were fighting amongst themselves about the most asinine minute detailed shit that doesn't fucking matter right now right right and uncle joe bless him you know he's as old as the freaking clasp on jesus's sandals and he couldn't get it right any of the night he he kept stumbling all over the place but he, he was but he, was. he but he didn't lose the debate he actually did, had a better performance then the last of it, he was better able to articulate what he needed to say, and he didn't let people get to him that much. Because I say this, and you guys will look back eight months from now and go, okay, Michelle is on to something. Joe is running a different race. Joe is not running in a primary. Joe is running in a For general. President. He's running in a general. As someone right who's now. already won the nomination. Yeah. So he's standing up there. He's speaking to the issues. But he's specifically talking to middle America and those votes that went from Barack Obama to Trump. And because he already knows that he has the Democratic base. So when you have black women, you, you have what you need. Right. They're going to carry you through the primary because they're reliable. When They're not going to go wishy-washy mm -hmm. on you. And Kamala is probably the most, he has, she has the most distrust of black women right now. Because she's been unapologetic about her record. And every single time she's asked about it, I told you guys she was asked about it in essence. And she was like, I'm not apologetic. I stand proud. And then I'm like, you're at the blackest festival on earth. And all you can tell us is that you are proud of your record. That's not answering the questions. And you're digging right. a hole for yourself. So I don't know who's doing African-American voter outreach out there for you, sis. But you get you get you some black friends and some black campaign <laughs> workers, okay? Okay, it's a hit onto what you just said about the fact that, like, white women saw her and just like, yes, yes. You're one and of then, them. Yes, this is it. Okay, this is my chat, our chat. I was typing... I know Kamala has issues, but damn, her closing. She is going to prosecute the case against four more years. And I had not even hit send. Then I get a text from Mishy that says, Kamala is so distrusted and disliked by black women, she is not in good shape. Her attacking Joe excites these white women, but it's hurting her with black women. And I was just like, okay, I feel singled out. And I was like, <laughs> as you should. So that's going to be a problem for her. And she realized but that's the reason why she softened up a little bit in the second debate. That it got her a response, but it's not the response that she wanted. It didn't excite yeah. the base, so she went softer. So that's not a working strategy. She needs to go back to the drawing board. As far as Uncle Joe, I think he said what he needed to say. I recognize what he's doing, even though America is not paying attention to it. Joe is running in a general. He's running as someone who's already won the primary, and he's already 50 steps ahead. 
and everyone who's trying to run the race next to him, it, he, you need to recognize he's not running the same race as you. And I have thoughts on that because I feel like Joe is the most, okay, let's discount all those people that of the 20 that are running, let's, let's be honest, there's like at least 12 that need to just drop out. Right. Okay. A lot of those that we say need to drop out are moderates. And Biden is the front runner of all of the moderates. Yes, ma'am. And so what's happening to me is that for all those people that want a moderate candidate, he's their guy. And then all the other top tier candidates are fighting out for the people that want a progressive. So even if the Democratic Party is 60% progressive, 40% moderate, He's got 39% of the moderate, and then the other 1% is divided among the 511 people. Mm -hmm. Steve Bullock and and Hickenlooper. Who? Who? And Bennett. And Bennett. And then you've got Bernie and Warren and Booker and all the others that are battling for that 60%, and it's no wonder that they are getting small numbers. So I have a a thought. Ooh, we got another Another 10 full hot conspiracy about how we we think that maybe they waited... They waited the balls or whatever to decide who. Yeah, I feel like. Oh, did we should just start singing a song? We started a bit. Oh, we have a new segment. It's my little. Uh, what is? I Twilight. I I think the reason that Biden is on a different night than some other people is because those are going to be his VP picks, Beto or Warren. Interesting. My ticket right now. They don't want, I'll keep that. I'll keep that to myself because I don't want y'all sharpening your spears yeah, and coming so after Mishy, honey. They don't want them on the same night because they don't want them going after each other. That's an interesting take, actually. It's. I mean, it's very tinfoil hatty, but yeah. interesting take. I mean, who's to say the DNC and CNN are not in bed together and they're like, okay, this is Joe's going to win the primary, like we all know this, blah 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 blah. So it's all about who the VP is, right, to get those other votes. Just how Obama chose Biden for a reason. Right. He didn't, I mean, he knew that Joe, Joe was problematic before Obama picked him. Right. Right. It just wasn't out in the open as much, but DC knew about it. And, but he kept winning his Senate races. Right. So that's, that's my take. Cause I think Mm. that there is a reason why there's a couple of people that are on a different night than Biden. So. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So. That's my prediction. That's that's my prediction. So we'll see what happens in March. We'll see. Yeah. All right. So one thing I noticed about Biden is that he was definitely more feisty than last time because he wasn't ready last time. Oh, and he He, told them when they pre-interviewed him on CNN, he was like, "I'm coming for everybody." Right. He was basically in those words. And one of the things he'd said, which I thought was brilliant. I don't know. We talked about this on last pod. Um, It was really brilliant because he was asked a question. He was like. I don't really understand why Kamala would come after me like that. Yeah. We were friends. You know, I nominated her. And people thought it was Joe playing the poor, oh, Uncle Joe card. But that's not what it was, guys. Mm-hmm. Y'all have to understand, this man's been a politician longer than I've been alive. Mm-hmm. Longer than I've been alive. And this, I'm the oldest one in here. This was a strategy <laughs> to set Kamala up as mm-hmm. a backstabber and someone who's not to be trusted, which is a narrative that she already has. So he's saying, well, it's no surprise that she turned her back on You know what he did? She turned her back on thousands of black people. You know Why what, would she turn her back 
You know what Uncle Joe did? What was that? He did a bless your heart. Bless your he heart. Bless your heart. He and did. I'm surprised people didn't see that for what it was. Y'all gotta understand, Joe is out here playing a different game. I know he's slow as AOL and dial-up internet, but y'all gotta understand, he's 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 definitely. He has got the depth on what the fuck is going on here. It is he not his first him. time at the rodeo, honey. He's got his ass glued to the bull. <laughs> okay, one All thing right. I did notice is that he frequently would just let a sentence trail off. It was like <laughs> Grandpa had a stroke, and he's just like... Because he was real bad. The, well, I shouldn't say real bad. He did have that moment in the very first debate where he was like, my time is up, I'm just going to stop. <laughs> he did it again here. Oh, did he do it again? All I caught was he would say something. He's just like, you know, I'm going to pick up that bottle. <laughs> okay, my time's up. He almost reaches like a fuck it moment. And he's like, I'm done. I said what I want to say. And he would tell me what I'm like, oh, okay, fuck it. My time <laughs> is up. And I actually heard some pundits on the news networks asking if that was a strategy of his to not have to articulate his thoughts. Basically to say, oh, my time is up and not at a time where every candidate on the stage is fighting for extra time mm -hmm. to finish their answers. And he's not. And he's just like, something, something, oh, shit, my time's up. Fuck it. <laughs> The conversations with my granddaughter, she'll say like the first three words, she makes a noise, it's like a yada yada through the middle, and then she's the last thing. She's like, fuck it. He truly feels that way. He's like, fuck it. And some of Joe's responses were very centrist, and they're not as progressive He's as so I would as I would like. That's not, I would expect for him, like, one of the things that I thought was very irritating for me was how hard he was like, going for the ACA. God knows I love the ACA and I love Obamacare, but it's not, even Obama himself has told us time and time again that Obamacare is a compromise. It was a bridge towards something else we were going towards. Mm -hmm. And Uncle Joe, God damn it, we're ready to cross the goddamn bridge, man. We're not trying to stay at Obamacare. We're trying to move towards what the ACA was a bridge for. And you can't say that we have to expound upon Obamacare and make it better. We've reached whatever we were going to reach with Obamacare. He's so trying now, to paint the bridge and repave it and add some right. lights. And we're like, no, we want to cross the fucking bridge. We want to cross yeah. the bridge. And we've reached a point where we were going to reach. And as far as Obamacare was going to take us, we've gone there. And now we need to move forward. So we can't make the ACA better. Right. We need to start having the discussion about universal health care but then i understood what it was that he was doing he's running in a general and his grab is in middle america so i i get what he's doing i noticed that everyone was taking swings at biden and i had this visual in my head as i was watching it it's like it's like everybody is like each jab that they hit is like they're chipping at this chisel and hoping that like okay boom that hit two two points that let me go grab that maybe that'll pull me two points up in the polls it doesn't work like that so Ooh, sorry yeah. Yeah, it's not like yeah. that. He has 99% recognition rate across the U.S. Which is crazy to me that, like, um, Bernie. You would think Bernie's would be super high like that, too. I mean, my God, he was one of two in the nomination last year. Yeah, but he was yeah. VP You do, you do understand that when, they, when they ask him a question on stage, they say, okay, Vice President Biden. He was the Vice President of these here United States you under the most popular president of the United States. I get that. So it's, he, Bernie can't, can't touch. Yeah. Can't I realize that. I would just think it would still, Bernie's should be super high too. You, you go to a village in Kenya and you mention Biden, they know who it is. They don't know who Bernie is. All right. So, we got, all right. So Ray, winner. 
Oh my god, we didn't even get to talk about a bunch of stuff. What really? did you want to talk about? I wanted to talk about Booker going after Biden, Tulsi going after Harris. Yes, Kamala. let's touch on that real okay. quick. Okay, you two ready to end this thing. I know. I'm sorry. I, did, I, mean, I know. I hated the debates. I know. I, I understand. I did. So let's. But, let's, but you're right. We do need to talk about Cory Booker a little bit because he yes. did. He did have an, an okay night. He did exceptionally. Yes, he did. He did. I okay. So he had some good points about uh, Joe relying on the Obama card. How he brings up, he's like, you invoke his name more than anybody else on this stage. And I get that, but then he also tries to hide behind it. Like, I'm not going to tell you what we said behind closed doors. Yeah, no, that's, that's an, and I felt like that was an unfair assessment for somebody who was up there talking about, we have a saying in my community talking about you dipping in the Kool-Aid, you don't even know the flavor. First of all, it's you all up in the Kool-Aid, you don't oh even know God. the flavor. Yeah, so you got that, that wrong. You tried to play your, you tried to play your black card <laughs> and you couldn't even black it up. My so, black card is better than yours. <laughs> so you <laughs> fucked that up. And then why the fuck wouldn't he evoke Obama's name? Why wouldn't he? Baby, this is chestnut checkers. He's going to say Obama's name at least 42 times in a debate to remind you what he's doing. You guys, this is a competition. And you have to leverage every single thing that you have to your advantage. And Obama is a really big advantage. And Joe recognizes that it's helping him. So he's not going to stop using it. And I mean, you can call him out on it if you want, which is right. great. But it's not going to change. It's the Obama factor, baby. So, And I, there is one thing that he would do where he was just like, Look, Obama nominated me, and he knew all this stuff, and he didn't have a problem with it. It reminds me so much of, like... So, if you're going to talk shit about me, you're going to talk shit about Obama. Right, but also, it kind of reminds me of that joke. It's like, oh, your mom didn't mind that so much last night. That's exactly what it reminded me of. Your like, mama said, was saying all that when I was up in them drawers <laughs> last night. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, I do like... Okay, so there was one point where... Booker was challenging him on his record on the 1994 crime bill and right. how it put so many people of color in jail and how and then Biden tried to come back at Booker and honestly he I don't think he had leg to stand on because Booker's done a lot. See, 19, 1994 crime bill was very difficult to fight because it had a lot of black people who were very prominent sign on it. Like we had the the people who were in the black Congress signed on it because. The 1994 crime bill gave us a lot of other things, like a portion of gun control and other things. So we were signing on. And people seem to think that black people don't want their communities policed or they, want their, they don't want their communities mm -hmm. to be better. But we do. We want our communities to be better. We want to live a good life. So there was, there was a good portion of, you know, the black Congress and black leaders who came on to help Joe, you know, pass that bill and get it across because we, we had one mission in mind. What we didn't see coming after that was that it was going to be used and abused in the manner that it was. So it had its problematicness, but it yes. had things in there that needed to be passed. I'm not giving Joe a pass. It yeah. was definitely problematic, but there are also people who signed onto it who still stand by it to this mm -hmm. day. So to, for I feel like if Corey is going to then attack Joe, he needs to attack other people who came and protected that bill because they did harm to us as well. Right. I don't personally like the bill, and I hold everybody accountable. Joe, black leaders, everybody who came and defended that bill, it hurt us in the long run. Nobody gets a pass. And people don't, people forget that this is when Bill Clinton was president and yes. Newt Gingrich was um, president, yes, Speaker, Speaker of the House. And so it was a compromise. That is how we govern in these United States of America. Right. Everything is a compromise. And what, Are we and Bill, coming off moderate as fuck right now? No, 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 no. no. I, I have a point because 
it's about I think Bill you Clinton. and I are going to go to the same. Yeah, place, it's about Bill of. Clinton. It's okay. I mean, and that's why I don't. I actually don't hold Joe Biden re- fully responsible. He was one vote. Right. Bill Clinton said that 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 bill was the biggest regret of his presidency. Right. Of eight years, that bill was the biggest regret. Well, to be fair, he wasn't also a vote. He wrote it. He was the author of the bill. Because Bill Clinton said, "I had no idea that the police force." We're going to use it, and the judges were going to use it in the way that they did against black and brown people. He goes, that was not the intention, and that's what happened. And he goes, it was my, um, and this is a, Bill Clinton, this is a man who has an extremely high IQ, was, you know, educated at Oxford, all that kind of stuff. He said, I was naive mm-hmm. to believe that we had gotten past some racism. of the racism in our country and that our police force and our communities would come together as one. And he goes, and that's not what happened. And that's what I just said was that they yeah. didn't know it was going to be used for evil. Right. Okay. And one other thing is that, first of all, we're looking through from that through a 19, like 20, 25 year lens. I mean, granted, I know it hasn't taken this long for people to know there were problems with it. Right. But the thing is, is that at that time, we were trying to do a one size fits all for this, trying to solve this one problem. Mm-hmm. Just like the war on drugs. There was a problem. People tried to solve it. They tried to do a one The war on drugs solve. was way more the, sinister the, than right, but I'm this just saying, bill was. I'm just saying, but even for people that had good intentions that signed on to things like that. The three strikes rules. They, you think that you're solving a problem, but you're looking through it through rose-colored glasses, and you're not able to look... Down the line, I don't know, right. see how I will, it can go wrong. I wouldn't even make that comparison because looking at Reagan and the people who did the war on drugs, they knew what they were doing. Okay. It was sinister in nature at inception. Okay, so the nineteen ninety four crime bill was not sinister at inception. Okay. It tried to accomplish something that was overall good. To your point, for people. But didn't know that was going to be used for evil. But he didn't have evil right. intentions from the right. beginning, right. No. like the war on drugs did. Right. Yeah. right. And this is coming up now as far as there's talk about a lot of the things that want to be changed as far as uh, gun control. Is that a lot of times people are trying to protect a certain community. What they don't realize is some of the ones the things that they're trying to put into a bill are actually going to hurt more communities of color. Right. And they're going to end up resulting in more young men being put in prison for so, gun possession. So, right. yeah. And so you, the problem is, is that you have good intentions, but you're not looking at the overall picture. And also, everything is more nuanced. You can't just have this. You can't one size fits in, all. Right. You can't have one size fits all. Yeah. Yep. And and you also, when you enact laws, the people who carry out those laws and then judge on the people who broke those laws, they you bring cannot, their prejudices you, you and can, their bias yes. with them. And when you are giving people latitude on sentencing and stuff like that, you cannot predict. How they're going to treat people and use it to put black and brown people in prison. Because, and I know I'm going to have some gun control people get pissed off at me for saying this, but but serious gun control, it will hurt black and brown people it first will. and worse. Yes. yes. Because it Young will give black cops men. even more reason to stop somebody and even more reason to shoot somebody. Mm-hmm. Because even if they are legally carrying... All they have to do Philando is Castillo. say. Philando Castile was exactly. a legal. Did, did you see the RNRA standing up nope. and saying no. that he was a card carrying member of the RNRA? They didn't stand yeah. up for him. Yeah. There's racial politics at play right. here, right. and they know so what they're be doing. Care, we have to be careful about when we, because when we enact laws that we think are going to, you know, we want to keep our kids safe. Yes, all of those things, absolutely. You but who is that law going to hurt? Right. You need right? someone playing devil's advocate. 
What is the worst case scenario? Of these laws. You need to be thinking like Littlefinger. Why is somebody doing this? And it's also a reason to fucking vote. And not just vote for your president. Not just vote for your senator. Everything. But you vote for judges. Local, JPs, state yeah. reps, state reps. And I repeat, state, state reps. reps. But your judges, your DAs. Yes. Your chief of police, Your all justice of, of the peace. Because that's what happened with that crime bill. Is they put in this crime bill, and then guess what? Fucking mayhem all over these states that had heavily white neighborhoods mm-hmm. or predominantly, you know, um, I would even say like racist or segregated neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And they had the people in charge could then enforce these laws and these sentences to the maximum. And that's exactly. the dangerous thing about law is that once you write it, there's it's to it's undo not that it is so hard. And it's not that there's many different ways to interpret it, but there's many different ways to exercise it upon yes. the population according right. to what yeah. the justice system right. allows. Sorry right. to go off of that tangent, but it was really yes. super, it was important. super important. It was, it was super important. important. Okay, so the last thing is about Tulsi versus Harris. So this is why... Uh-huh. Okay, I have no love for Tulsi. Y'all know. Zero. Other than the fact that she worked in that white suit. She looked really good in it. Looked amazing. <laughs> you looked good, girl. But she gets on my damn nerves. Oh, I know. But she is very good at debating. (laughs) And she got a very good attack at Kamala in regard to her strong stance on marijuana crimes. And how, you know, you were responsible for like 1,500 people being in jail or prison. On petty marijuana marijuana crimes. And yet you joked about it. When, about if you ever smoked marijuana. When, when Charlemagne the God asked you about it and you wanted to be cool on Power 105 at the at the Breakfast Club and you wanted to kiki and you thought it was funny. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Because when she brought that up, honey, I was sitting at the TV. I was clutching my damn pearls. I was like, no, this bitch didn't at the last five seconds of the debate come for Kamala's neck. And Kamala was like... <laughs> and she didn't come for her just once, but three times. Three times. you know, three strike rule. You gotta hit it all uh-huh. three. She talked about how she blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. That's the thing my daughter was texting right? me about this why she true. will never support her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for labor. In the state of California. Right. Yep. And I want to see I want to see a black woman do well. I want to see Kamala do well. But we have got to address some things, sis. We need to talk about it. And she needs to come clean. You coming after Joe as if you are riding in on Aladdin's magic carpet is not gonna work out for me. I'm nope. sorry. It's we just gotta talk about this. Alright, so Ray, who would be your winner of night two? Okay, night two for me, I think my winner's Cory Booker because I feel like he made some really good points, jabs at Biden. I think he he did a great job just overall. I liked everything he had to say. He just gave me warm fuzzies, and I haven't had those for him for a very long time. Who who would be your loser? I feel like Kamala. I mean, I hate to say that, but she 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 got a lot of momentum because she overall is really good at offense. But she showed that when it came to defense, she was just floundering. She was like a fart in the wind. In the goddamn wind, honey. Mishy, who's your winner? Well, did Ray do her loser? I did. Yeah, she said she Kamala. Said Kamala. Oh, ooh, okay. You're not listening. I'm sorry. I, I She's reading. I was reading. Uh, I believe I had already given this distinction to Elizabeth yes. Warren. <laughs> yeah. uh, but if I were to pick... Somebody that was present. That was present in this debate. I will, I will premise this by saying that, again... If y'all are not going to give Elizabeth Warren competition as far as policy goes, then at least stop wasting our time and let her sit at home and eat Doritos while she, wants, while she watches and everybody else do their bullshit. 
but for the winner of the night, this is not a popular opinion, but you know that I have a different skill system of how I judge people. I judge people on who had the most to lose and who had the most to gain. And who had the most to lose was Joe Biden and who had the most to gain was Joe Biden. So I'm giving it to him because he redeemed himself and I recognize that he's running a different race. He's running in a general when everybody else is running in a primary. So he was my winner. As far as losers go, I'm going to agree with you and I'm going to give it to Kamala. She can't find her strategy. She can't find where she belongs. She seems to get lost and she realizes that attacking Joe is not working out. She thought it was going to energize the base and it backfired. So I, the black staff. I need her. And she's, <laughs> she has Enrich's granddaughter, but I need her to figure something out. Reach out to me, girl. We help you out. But other than that, I need her to go to the drawing board. And attacking Joe is not going to be a strategy for winning debates. You're going to have no. to come hard on the policy and actually give me some substance. So that's that's my take on that. Right. And yours? Uh, winner, definitely Biden. Yeah. Um, uh, I didn't think of it the way that Michi had said that he's just already running in a general. But I, I kind of feel like he just showed up to be like, yeah, I'm here. And I'm just here. So I got I this. As, 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 um, and I can't. And I just, he just, you know, Obama. You remember? Uh, do you remember when they used to say if you said 9-11, you would win an election? <laughs> that's, all, that's all Biden has to do now. Just be like, Biden. Obama. Remember I worked with Obama? Obama you know, yeah. Remember I was VP? He, Obama yeah. reminds me of the of the Kanye rap lyric that goes, y'all are lucky I haven't showed up to these lame shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he walks <laughs> it every night. Um, Your biggest loser. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's all the other ones besides Biden. Okay. Uh, Cory Booker and Kamala. Whoever else was. Oh, okay. Because I don't remember their names. All right. So to me, they lost. I mean, just go, go home. Done. Go home, Roger. Yeah. All right. So right. we close the books on the debates. Yes. Boom. Thank you, Jesus. And, oh, so before we before we get to our ending things, so we do have a list of who is going to who's already qualified right. for the third debate, and that would be Biden, of course, Booker, of course, Mayor Pete, yes, Kamala, yes, um, Amy uh, Klobuchar, uh, Beto, uh, Bernie. And, and Elizabeth Warren. And Warren. All right. And yeah. the threshold for that is... They said Julian and Andrew are pretty close. Tulsi's like, eh. And other than that. The threshold for that is 130,000 unique donors and register at least 2% support in four polls. And they have until August 28th to reach those benchmarks. So I just gave you all the eight people that you need to continue to donate to. Do not donate any more money to anybody Quit sending Yang and Gabbard and Marianne your money. You know, and if you do donate to Bennett, go ahead and send me your address. Because she will come for you. I will. Okay. Okay. All right. So, Ray, you ready? You, you an, an asshole. asshole, baby. You, you an asshole. asshole. Oh, my God. It wasn't as strong as the normal. condensed you guys, you guys yes. are weak We're today. exhausted yeah. from the debate. We are. We are. So, we asshole of the week this week comprises... Political and crime. So, if you, as you guys know that lately, Rachel and I have been into a lot of crime, and we've become not committing it, but listening, <laughs> listening to it. To it true into crime, crime, into crime. We've, we've been listening to all the true crime, and we gave a shout out to the Crime Junkie podcast because yes. they really got us into that. And so, this basically marries the two between politics. In crime, and today the asshole of the week goes to the justice system and also goes to this guy. So, 
A Michigan man was sentenced to 60 days in jail. It's a sentence to 60 days in jail, but wait until you hear the offense that he committed. And this sentence is to be executed and served on weekends, but it is for poisoning his wife's coffee with an active drug found in Benadryl. And Brian has an estranged wife who had filed for a divorce and she had been complaining of feeling tired and nauseous and was experiencing blurred vision. Guys, please don't laugh. I'm not laughing. I'm just like the things people think of. She had been experiencing blurred vision. And so in July 2018, she'd been drinking her coffee that her husband had prepared for her in Macomb County. The prosecutors say that the woman had filed for divorce two months earlier. She became suspicious of the fact that her husband had been poisoning her coffee, so she installed cameras in her kitchen. And videos later reviewed that her husband had been pouring, okay, help me out here, diphenhydramine? Benadryl. Yes, which is the active drug in Benadryl into his wife's coffee in the morning and intentionally poisoning her. So he's basically taking the capsules apart and then laying yes. the powder going her coffee. So the last coffee that this guy made had been analyzed and it was found to be containing 127 milliliters of oh diphenhydramine, God. according to what the prosecutor says. The antihistamine is used mainly for the treatment of like allergies, yeah. sinuses, bites, rashes, hives, whatever. And it, sometimes it can give you a little bit of sedation, right? You know, sometimes yeah. you take Benadryl and you sleep longer than you expect to. <laughs> I remember. Like, when you took <laughs> like when I took two Benadryl, when my husband gave me two Benadryls yeah, and I was out for the night. Yeah. No, you were out for like 16 <laughs> hours. For 16 hours. Yeah. Benadryl has about 25 milligrams of the drug which is about as a decimal point 0.025 milliliters uh kozalski was the husband pleaded guilty to poisoning his wife's food drink medicine or water on june 13th along with the jail sentence he was sentenced to five years probation following the sentence the county prosecutor said that the court seemed more focused on ensuring the defendant's freedom and oh ability God. to work than the victim's safety. It is troubling to think that someone who commits such a reckless crime, putting so many people at risk, putting so many people at risk, walks away with just a slap on the wrist. The couple is not divorced, but here, here is where it gets really problematic for me and why I'm awarding this particular judge asshole of the week. We've had a lot of asshole judges lately. We've had a lot of asshole judges. And this just goes to a conversation that we had earlier about judges having jurisdiction over how they execute sentences. This is very irresponsible. And this guy's clearly a danger not only to his wife, but to society. If you're willing to do something like this to someone that you love, that you have laid with, that you have lived a life with, what are you going to do to somebody that you don't even know? And to be given the privilege of convenience, the privilege of convenience to say, you know what, you don't have to serve this over the week or in a, in a consecutive manner. You can just do it over the weekends. Whenever it's going to just come in, you know, chill during the weekends and just do your jail time, go home, have a beer. That's exactly why people have a problem with the justice system. This is very irresponsible. And asshole of the week goes to you because when we need people like this prosecuted and put under the jail, you're willing to give these people a slap on the wrist and are throwing people away for multiple number of years for little drug crimes that don't hurt anybody other than themselves for getting a little high for 20 minutes. Uh. So congratulations to the husband and to the judge for getting asshole of the week. Fuck y'all. <laughs> All right. All right. So... Um, yeah, pretty fucking scary. I, 
I, do you still want to drink that? I, yeah, I had so much, <laughs> I had so many inappropriate jokes of her like taking Benadryl that probably are, yeah. Anyway, I bet she wasn't itching. Anyway, <laughs> she didn't have sinus problems. She could have had like she could breathe, the, she could breathe really well. Yeah, she could. Oh my god. Oh, what a good sleep though. Anyway, we'll so as as usual, we like to end on a good note, which brings us to. Praise Bay the day, day Bay, Bay, Day, Bay. That was good. We actually did not even we, rehearse we, we that. We did that right. whole time. Okay, who's, so, your, who's your Bay of the day, Ray? So this week's Bay is pretty short and sweet, and it comes from Georgia. So I'm gonna say oh, this Georgia didn't finally do some right, honey. He's a peach, okay. <laughs> So for our listeners up north, it may sound crazy to hear, but school is actually in session in Georgia, and it will be within the next two weeks for most of, if not all, of the South. So school is where we find our bay, elementary student Blake Rajan. And like most kids, Blake wore new clothes on his first day of school, but it wasn't the typical button-down shirt or sports gear, so instead... He wore a shirt that his mom made him. The shirt is orange with green words that say, I will be your, your friend. friend. Oh, I saw that on Facebook yes, this week. I posted that. Is that, okay. So that Blake's so mother, sweet. Nikki, owns a personalization business and told him that she would make him a shirt for his first day of school. And according to her, Blake has experienced bullying at school before and he wanted to make sure that other kids knew he's there for them. I wanted to make sure that kids that are bullied know they have a friend already. He told his mom. Aww. And she said, never underestimate your kid's heart for others. I love my sweet Blake. So, Blake, Aww, Blake. you're a bae. You're such a bae, Blake. What a sweetie. Yes. Sweet All right, that's really good. Thank I like you. that. All right. All right, ladies. You're going to the whole damn bottle. <laughs> My vodka glass is plastic tonight, so I'll be cheering right. about it. All, All right. right. Stay tipsy, my friend. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, We're lucky that bottle is right? <laughs> All right. Good pot. politics. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at DBAP Pod. If you have questions or suggestions, email us at drunkbpolitics at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. It's the best way to show your support and spread the word.